You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Thomas Frank is the author of One Market Under God and What's the Matter with Kansas. He's a founding editor of The Baffler, a contributing editor to Harper's, and a regular columnist for The Wall Street Journal. His new book is The Wrecking Crew, How Conservatives Rule. He's also written a new article for Playboy magazine available online about conservative talk show host Glenn Beck. Thank you for joining me, Thomas. You got it, Rick. <laughs> this is a, a wonderful article, and you begin with a really interesting and I think pertinent assertion, which is that Glenn Beck is the most influential man on the right in a nation where the right has traditionally held disproportionate power. That's kind of frightening. Well, it's I'm just trying to face facts here. I mean, mm-hmm. we we do, uh, you know, we tend to scrutinize the right, and uh, uh, and you have to explain why. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is that uh, you know they they've always. Uh, how would you put it? Punched above their weight. Um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 this is a, a country where the right has always had um, power out of proportion to to their numbers, and and he is, and so it's it's something where you where you need to pay attention. Now, now you talk about you know some of his, he's had some real actual you know uh, measurable effects on, on the new administration between you know protests, Van Jones. Yes, uh, there's the, yeah, there's that, and the uh, the Obama administration has a uh, well. I'll tell you that uh, you know I'm disappointed by the Obama people in a number of ways, but one of the the strange things is is uh, was Obama's comments. I believe it was last week about uh, how budget deficits were going to cause a double dip uh, recession, which is something that you know I don't know of any economist that that thinks that's the case, but that's certainly something that they've been saying on Fox News, and it's as though. Obama, you know, his administration has, has, you know, they're they're not talking to Fox News or whatever it was, you know, whatever the plan was. Well, he sure is paying attention to them, and uh, budget deficits are uh, a kind of Glenn Beck obsession. This is something that he talks about all the time. Um, and it's interesting too, you know, he seems to have kind of, as you put it, he's gone from a laughing stock to, to to being a kind of a contender. Yeah, that's right, and I think he'll probably go back to being a laughing stock. But right now, we are living in his moment, you know. He is the sort of Huey Long for our uh, economic downturn. He is the, the, the sort of the, the face and the voice of a lot of people's anger. Uh, it's kind of frightening that, uh, as you point out, the Obama administration has been, you know, replying to him. And I, and I have to say, overall, I, engaging the conservative median in the way that they've done that, I think, is a bad idea. It's, it's as the conservatives say, feeding the beast. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's actually one of my expressions, Rick. The, the, uh, you know, but but uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people, in I think, in the Obama administration that are still really uh, captive to the, to the sort of notion of centrism, where you have to... Um, you know, you have to strike a position somewhere between the extremes. And what they haven't understood is that, you know, the American politics is filled with smart people, and these smart people have long since figured out how to game centrism. And what I mean by that is, if, and this is, I mean, Gingrich figured this out back in when Clinton was president, which is like, if Clinton is going to constantly be striking 
the uh, halfway mark between his own party and what you're doing, then it's in your interest to just constantly move the mark, move the goalposts way, way, way to the right because you drag him along with you because he's, you know, he's not standing on principle. And for whatever reason, uh, the Democrats never seem to figure this out, even though, I mean, conservatives boast about doing this. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a big joke. Uh, but the, the, the D's never seem to figure that out. The goalposts get to keep moving uh, further and further to the right. Yeah, that's right. Now, one of the things you say that is interesting about Beck is that uh, the, the contradictions tell us more about him than what he asserts. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, the the, uh, the the main contradiction that I would point to is his. Well, there's there's lots and lots and lots of them. <laughs> I mean, what I did for this article for Playboy, and uh, your listeners are going to find this incredible. I sat down and read all of his books. <laughs> In addition to being a, a radio host and a TV host, Glenn Beck writes books, and he cranks them out at this incredible pace. He's, ha- he's had two in 2009 already, both of them number one bestsellers. Um, are they any good? One of them, you know, he writes these books that are sort of humorous. They're books of politics, but they're humorous. You know, they're illustrated with a lot of sort of funny, uh, you know, drawings and this sort of thing. And then he, he wrote a sort of monograph uh, where there's no illustrations, and it's uh, it's it's supposed to be about Thomas Paine, mm. uh, who he's he's got kind of a fixation on, and it goes along with the whole Tea Party phenomenon, which is, by the way, you know, largely a uh, made up of Glenn Beck followers. Mm-hmm. Um, but he so he's really into Thomas Paine, and I thought that you know that's strange because I, I know a little something about Thomas Paine. I studied history once. And I happen to know that the guy is not, uh, you know, a conservative in the in the in the in the, in the Glenn Beck mold. It just it's it's just not so. And so I uh, I, I I I pointed this out in <laughs> sort of explicitly for readers of Playboy magazine. It's actually really easy to do if you go back. I mean, Glenn Beck really likes one Thomas Paine pamphlet. It was called Common Sense that he wrote, and it was it's famous because it was one of the things that sparked the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Beck in particular likes the phrase common sense, and he uses it over and over and over again. It's just common sense, you know, and he applies it to whatever it is that he's, that he's pushing on, you know, on a given occasion. But if you read Thomas Paine's other works, the man was one of the most... Uh, he, was, he was so hostile to Christianity um, he wrote a, a book called The Age of Reason. It was sort of his, you know, his great uh, uh, masterpiece, and it's it's just a savage attack on Christianity. He goes through the Bible. I don't know if you've ever read this thing, but Tom Paine goes through the Bible book by book, mm-hmm. just trashing it. Uh, and it's an odd thing for an American conservative, and especially a very religious American conservative, as Glenn Beck is, to hold up Tom Paine as 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 you know, <laughs> as their. Uh, as their uh, as their hero, and, and interestingly enough, he's a Mormon. I find that kind of interesting. It is interesting, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I don't know what the connection is there with Tom Paine and, and and Mormonism. I'm sure there is something, but I don't know what it is. Now, um, I, one of the things I guess you probably could have called this article is "Tears of a Clown." <laughs> <laughs> yes, because Glenn Beck is famous for uh, he gets himself he works himself up into tears. And in fact, he seems to do it so um, readily that uh, that a lot of people, uh, a lot of his critics, think that he's that he's you know he can turn him off and on like a, like a sort of Hollywood star. I don't know if that's the case or not. I, I mean, I, I think as with all of these people, I think that it's best to to take them 
at their word that they really mean what they're saying uh, mm-hmm. and that he really does you know the man really is a, a maudlin person who 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 cries you know there's nothing strange about that uh i mean okay there is something strange about it but but it's 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 uh it's totally possible well, you know, it's interesting, too. You point out, you know, he serves up all this kind of schmaltzy stuff with a side order of vituperative hatred and yeah. bile. Yeah, he's and he swings from one to the other very quickly. Mm. He has... Some of his works are genuinely humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of these DVDs that he's made also. And he's, you know, he, he, he does stand-up comedy sometimes, and it's funny. And I've watched his show a lot, especially when I was writing the article. And every now and then it is, yes, genuinely funny. He says funny things. He does silly things on stage. Uh, and, but then he swings into this... Uh, Anger towards the uh, Obama administration, which you know he believes he suspects is filled with, uh, with basically you know socialists and traitors and and you know tyrants in disguise and this kind of thing, and and he works himself up into this sort of incandescent rage, uh, and he goes back and forth from one to the other very quickly. Uh, and you know what's really strange, Rick, is um, on the whole, it works. The whole the show works. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he has, a, a, I think, uh, benefits then from a, a great sense of pacing and uh, texturing his commentaries back and forth. So you, he baits you with the schmaltz and then hooks you with the with the with the bile. Yes, but what we're what we're leaving out here, and the thing that is that really int- makes him intriguing is the conspiracy theories. Mm, mm. This this is a guy that really sees the world as. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's it's where all the strings are pulled behind the scenes by you know some someone who's all powerful, where you know people so, seem to be part of a. He always says socialist conspiracy. I don't think he he. I mean, he sometimes calls people communists, but but he thinks that that people are part of this sort of secret left wing. Um, you know, conspiracy. He actually doesn't use the word conspiracy all that often because, of course, it's uh, that's. That is to mark yourself as a as kind of a you know a freak to believe that you you know some conspiracy theories or something like that. Yeah, so he doesn't actually use that term, hat. but the, it's it's the same idea that these people all know each other and they're pulling the strings secretly and they don't come out and say what their politics actually are, uh, that sort of thing. It's sort of warmed over, um, you know, stuff from the Red Scare days. You know, it's interesting. You talk about um, that he's a, a fan of. of uh, Late conspiracy theorist W. Cleon Scuson, and I love how you put this, whose many demented works Beck frequently promotes. He does. Uh, <laughs> so tell us a, bit, a little bit about Scuson. There, I got, I got uh, there's one, one of Scuson's works. I, uh, Beck wrote the introduction to it, and I, I, I bought it. I had to, you know, I'm trying to read everything the guy has written, and Beck regards it as. Uh, this is a book that it opened his eyes. I mean, he describes it in these uh, in these terms like an epiphany. It is it is something that 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 you know that he suddenly understood the world. Uh, Skuzin was a. Um, it's not clear whether or not. I mean, no one ever reveals whether or not they're a member of the Birch Society. But he was uh, he was <laughs> on that on that extreme right wing fringe mm-hmm. uh, conspiracy theorist. You know that kind of thing back in the 1960s. That's who he was. And this is Glenn Beck's. Great teacher as as Beck navigates, uh, you know, life's byways. And speaking of teachers, tell us about that heartwarming work, the Christmas sweater. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is Glenn Beck's Christmas book, 
and it's uh, weirdly has no politics to it. I, I read it, like I said, uh, and it's it has no there's no there's like a little hint of politics here and there, but it's the story of his childhood, or it seems to be the story of his childhood, sort of vaguely fictionalized, uh, you know, and, and he's changed things around a little bit, but it's uh, it's it's a disturbing story. Uh, and it's kind of a, an awful story. Now they sell it as a, as it's supposed to be heartwarming, and it's supposed to be a you know Christmas tradition. It's supposed to become a Christmas tradition for your family to read it. But it's 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 far too uh, disturbing for that. Um, it's not just something you can laugh off, which was my inclination when I first you know when I first uh, saw it in a bookstore and read it. I mean, it's not it's not you know completely a joke, but it does involve this. I mean. You know, it's the story of a troubled teenager mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and this sort of conversion experience that he that he goes through that where he you know that brings him back to the straight and narrow and uh, man it's it's some creepy stuff but it, anyhow it's um, yeah that, that's his Christmas book I was in Kansas City the other day and I saw it for sale at the oh where was I uh, I think it was at Costco they had all of Glenn Beck's books they had a huge you know display. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they had this one out there too. <laughs> Getting ready for Christmas. Getting ready for Christmas. It's interesting that you you comment when you're talking about conspiracy theory. It brought to mind what you said about his interest in numerology, which is this is gets about as loony as as you could possibly get. You mean the nine twelve? Yeah. Thing? Uh, yes. This I, I you know this is. A, He's a, there's a lot of people like this in, in American life who are highly intelligent but don't have a lot of formal training in, like, you know, understanding the world around them. And so they, 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 they're draw, you know, drawn back to things like conspiracy theories and numerology. And um, the, the 912 Project is, is something you can read about on Glenn Beck's website. But the idea is that to get back to the way that we all felt on the day after 9-11, I don't know about you, Rick, but I felt like, I, I was very, very angry on that on that particular day, mm-hmm. uh, and I hope to never uh, be that angry again. Uh, but anyhow, according to Glenn Beck, that was the sort of high point for American consciousness was that day, and we need to sort of recover that spirit and and live that spirit. And um, so after you know coming out, okay, that's that's a reasonable enough point. I, I I see where you where you're going with that, you know. But then he came up with. What is it? And I'm sorry, I don't have the article in front of me. Is it nine? But then he decided that the nine and the twelve weren't just the days of the cal- on the calendar. These were actually like the fundamental values of American life: nine principles and twelve values, or something like right. that. And then he lists them, and uh, you know these sort of patriotic things. It's kind of like a Boy Scout oath sort of situation. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> and the the funny thing about that is like, what if the terrorists had struck on a different day? Then <laughs> then then they wouldn't have reaffirmed. Are you know our 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 fundamental values? It's a, it's a very peculiar uh, you know way of looking at the world. Now, one of the things you do in this article, and I think this is very helpful, is to remind us of how we got to where we are today. So, give us that brief recap about the deregulation disasters, the one most recent one, but also all throughout history, uh, American history, and how he has glommed onto the second half, but kind of leaves the first half behind. Okay, well, this is, and this is something that strikes close to home for me, because you understand I sort of deal in discontent as well, Rick. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I don't have a TV show on Fox News, 
uh, and I can't turn on the tears whenever I feel like it. But oh, I have for years been talking about you know what's going wrong in American life, and you know we're going down this, this sort of mistaken path. And and I felt very much vindicated. I mean, in an awful sort of way. Uh, you know, after the the the, the late financial collapse of, mm-hmm. of 2008, because because so many of the things I had been describing and working on for years were revealed in all their awfulness. Okay, mm-hmm. and those things were sort of complete uh, deregulation, or not complete, but large for the most part deregulation of the financial sector. Some parts of it were completely unregulated. A lot of the mortgage lenders, the fly by night subprime mortgage lenders were completely unregulated. Uh, when they repealed Glass-Steagall, which was sort of the great, the crowning glory of the deregulatory mm. movement, when they repealed the law that regulated uh, uh, investment banks and commercial banks and separated them one from the other, everybody was free to get into this mortgage lending business, and everybody did. All the big banks, all the investment banks, they all had these mortgage arms where they were handing out uh, subprime mortgages and then packaging them up uh, where they would be you know, into bonds, where they would be rated always rated triple A by the uh, you know by the uh, the rating agencies, which themselves had an incredible conflict of interest, and then they would be you know traded on these dark exchanges, these completely unregulated exchanges, and then you had a further level of side bets called credit default swaps that are com- mm-hmm. completely unregulated. Anyhow, all of this uh, totally unsupervised financial economy. Uh, came crashing down, and largely because it was unsupervised. There were conflicts of interest. There was fraud all across the board, all things that would have been prevented with thoroughgoing regulation. That's the story of the last 30 years. And this is as, as, this is as clean-cut uh, a case for you know, re-regulation of, of, of a sector as, as you will ever see in, in, in history. Okay, so a guy like Glenn Beck comes along, and says, no, 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 this is all, all of this stuff happened because people in Washington were, you know, were forcing the banks to hand out these, these loans. And so it's all to blame, it's all to blame on the liberals. And the problem is that we have regulation and what we all we have to do is, you know, is deregulate more and get government out of the way. And, you know, and that'll solve our problems for good. And it's, it, it's, it's astonishing to me that this catches on at all. And yet, you know, you, you see around you the results. The man is incredibly successful. And, and even when, even for the portions that were regulated in the last eight years, they, they certainly, those regulations certainly weren't enforced. Oh, well, that's, that's, any... yeah, that's the famous problem of regulatory capture. And mm-hmm. strangely enough, Glenn Beck actually talks about regulatory capture on his program sometimes. This was the theme of my last book. It was called The Wrecking Crew, and it's mm-hmm. about how conservative administrations, you know, you put them in charge of these regulatory agencies, and they just, they, they, uh, they appoint people from the industries that are supposed to be regulated, and those people just don't enforce the law. And this is across the board, whether you're talking about financial, you know, regulatory agencies, or the EPA, or the Labor Department, or the Department of Agriculture, just across the board, that's what they do. And yet, you know, uh, according to Glenn Beck and the resurgent right, the problem is government itself. The government interferes in the economy too much, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, amazing that that stuff catches on. 
Not only should we put the foxes in charge of the hen houses, we need to get rid of the walls in the hen houses so the foxes can just have free range. You know, we need, don't need free range chickens. We need free range foxes. That's, that's right. It's what we need to get back to the 19th century is what it is. You know, that 19th century utopia. The robber barons. That, yeah, that's right. That's when things really rocked in this country. It, it, it's funny. Beck never talks about that, about mm. that period. He knows. Uh, he sort of pretends to be uh, uh, something of an authority on American history, but the only period that there's only a few periods that he that he ever writes about or that he ever talks about. One is the founders. Mm. He loves to talk about the founding generation. Um, he ignores all the 19th century uh, and then talks about the progressives, whom he sees as the sort of fount of all evil. <laughs> Woodrow Wilson and Theodore Roosevelt. These are the great, sort of, for him, the great demon figures in American history. He comes back to this all the time. And then, of course, the Obama administration, which is uh, the devil incarnate. Now, you also mentioned, too, that, uh, and it's true, yes, we all have a deep longing for the Cold War because it was so much fun looking for commies, wasn't it? Well, you know, at the end of the day, that's the, uh, I, 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 you look at a phenomenon like this, with this guy, you know, very popular TV host and becoming more popular, you know, by the by the week, and um, and it's all about hunting hunting out these sort of reds or these pinks, you know, these socialists or whatever you want to call them. And he has there's a chapter in one of his earlier books where he he talks about his admiration for Joe McCarthy and the problem with McCarthy uh, is that he you know didn't he you know the, the, he he says he you know the problem with what how does he put it I don't have the book in front of me. Um, you know that McCarthy. It, he basically implies that McCarthy's problem is that he didn't go far enough. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. that he discredited a, a noble pursuit. You know that hunting out political heretics is a you know is something that that we should do. And this is the implication: hunting out political heretics is something that we should be doing. And McCarthy ruined it for the for the rest of us. But but what's funny is, you know. It made a certain amount of sense when Joe McCarthy was running around in the early 1950s because you had, of course, the Soviet Union. We'd already fought one war with the communists in Korea, and you know the Cold War was going on all the time. People were genuinely afraid of the Soviets, and we, had, we actually did have a communist party here in America with the, that, you know, in recent memory, had been fairly uh, lively you know, mm-hmm. in the 1930s and the 1940s. Sure. And so... And so it, it made a certain amount of sense. Okay, today, to, to do that, to go red hunting today, makes no sense at all in a, realistic, in a realistic way. Like, you know, to accuse the Obama administration of harboring communists, I mean, you might as well accuse them of harboring Bonapartists. You know, you're talking about an, ex- an extinct ideology, you know. It's a, so how do you explain it? And what I finally came down to is that it's fun. To, to, red scares are fun. To think that you are, you know, that, that our government is in the hands of the sort of secretive clique that is pulling the strings and is ruining our democracy and is, uh, you know, wrecking our country, and that only you and your patriotic friends can see it, that there's something deeply attractive about that world. I mean, of course there is. It's, it's, it's a blast to think that you're the one guy who's figured it all out, and you can see through the veil, you know, and figure out the secrets. Who would have ever thought anybody would feel nostalgic for the House Un-American Activities Committee, but there's Glenn Beck. (laughs) 
Well, that's what he, he certainly seems to. Uh, but you've you got to remember, he doesn't have, he's a one-man House on American Activities Committee. There is no, uh, you know, he doesn't have any power. Uh, he just can do it. He just talks about this on his TV show. So what, what you're seeing here is Red Scare as pure entertainment. Uh, you know, and it's and it's it, it, this is this is what fascinates me. Generally speaking, about Fox News, not just Glenn Beck, but the whole Fox News enterprise, is they've understood there that all these sort of political forms, you know, the Red Scare, the backlash, you know, the Archie Bunker mentality, that all of this stuff works as entertainment as well as it does as politics. In fact, it probably works better as entertainment. And the whole, you know, they don't care who wins and loses in, in politics. You know, it's, it's fun TV. It's fun to watch. Um, I have to admit, Rick, I am you know, drawn to Fox News. It has this magnetic pull on me. I guess it, I, I'm, sorry, I'm hypnotized by it in the way that you're supposedly hypnotized by a cobra, you know. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> now, uh, in your latest uh, uh, column for the Wall Street Journal, you give thanks for our totally horrendous situation. Explain that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was trying to... Uh, I, I recently uh, reread Barbara Ehrenreich's book, uh, Bright Sighted. It's a new book, I know, but I read it like some months ago, and it was in manuscript. She's a friend of mine. And, um, and I, I read it again, and uh, it's, it's an attack on positive thinking. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's, it's so deliciously you know, mean. Uh, I know a lot of positive thinkers. I grew up around positive thinkers, and uh, uh, and uh, it's it's a great book. Anyhow, so I've been I've been thinking about that lately. You know, people looking on the bright side <laughs> of every situation, and people giving thanks. Giving thanks is an important part of positive thinking. It's supposed to make you healthier mm -hmm. to have gratitude. You know, it's always this sort of selfish reason for for being nice to other people. Anyhow, so I said, well, what what could I be thankful for? Uh, you know, this awful situation that we're in right now. And so I thought, well, I'll look on the bright side. You know, the situation is awful, but it is just totally discrediting the sort of, you know, insane optimism that we saw in this country just a few years ago and this reverence for the wealthy. Uh, you know, that's, uh, and it's, it's brought us a sort of much more skeptical, uh, more corrosive, uh, you know, uh, way of looking at institutions like Wall Street and uh, and the Republican Party. And I'm thankful for that. You know, at the end of the day, I'm thankful for that. I'm even thankful for people like the Tea Partiers, you know, who are going out there and insisting that, you know, that, that all of our politics has been a sham and the culture wars are a big, a big fraud and we need to, you know, get to the bottom of all these things. And they're doing this in entirely the wrong way. But at least they're, you know, they're zeroing in on the right questions. So I was trying to be, I was trying to, uh, you know, be all cheerful and positive thinking, like. <laughs> well, we're thankful to have you around to, to uh, comment on all the craziness that's around us. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Rick, I'm at your service anytime. Uh, I've been speaking with Thomas Frank. He's the author of One Market Under God, What's the Matter with Kansas? He has a new article on in Playboy Online about Glenn Beck and a new uh, opinion op-ed up on Wall Street Journal. Thank you for joining me, Thomas. You got it.
You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.